Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. So, gang, no doubt many of you are card-carrying, bona fide members of the working world. So, let me ask you this. Did you ever go out on any job interviews? Or, more specifically, job interviews that left a bad taste in your mouth? Well, that's what we're going to salute today. Employers who really shouldn't be in the business of employing people, let alone interviewing them. There's one time that I can recall going for an interview with a shopping mall company, which is now, thankfully, long gone and buried. At the time, I was applying for a public relations position, which would basically require writing and producing all sorts of communications materials for their growing chain of enclosed malls, which were located all over the country. Wow! Well, the gentleman who's interviewing me, let's call him uh, Mr. Rosenheimer, had a rather interesting style of interviewing. Instead of asking me lots of questions, he basically rambled on and on himself, delivering a non-stop monologue on the company, the job requirements, the people there, the perks of working for them, the workplace environment, etc., etc., etc. has been around for 20 very successful years. And before that, the founders of the company each served many years in the trenches, acquiring their experience in construction trades and shopping center industries. We're privately owned in finance, and we have enjoyed a very fruitful and mutually beneficial relationship with all our retail teams. Well, I should have seen that as a red flag. But at the time, I was rather young and naive, and I needed the work. Uh, yeah? As it later turned out, this was one of those places that chews you up and spits you out. It was a very dysfunctional workplace, to say the least. I only worked there for a few months before we parted ways. Oh my. You would think that I would have learned my lesson from that experience. But only eight years later, I was applying for another job that was halfway across the country in the state of New Mexico. And so the job interview was conducted by phone one late Friday evening. The interviewer was the manager of a television station in Santa Fe, New Mexico, named Fuzz Conroy. Huh? I never really got a chance to ask him how he got this unusual nickname, but that's beside the point. And he was looking to hire a new creative services manager for the TV station. Well, Fuzz was not only very soft-spoken, he was also rather long-winded. And back in those days of landline phones, I had to press the phone very hard up to my ear to be able to hear him. And like that other interview I just mentioned, he would go on and on and on, basically monopolizing the entire conversation while he told me about this great ground floor opportunity in the beautiful Southwest. Sarah, rather new startup operation with a lot of years of experience behind us. We're currently in a growth phase, looking for new opportunities, new markets, and new broadcast properties to purchase and manage. Ouch! By the time I got off that phone call, my ear was as red as a beet. Like I said, I should have been on my guard after that last experience years earlier. Whenever the employer goes into a hard sell mode like that, you know that's a really big red flag. They've probably already been turned down by countless other candidates, and so they're getting a little desperate to hire someone. That job didn't turn out to be a very long-lasting one either. The company, as it turned out, ran out of money and laid off 17 of us in order to stay afloat.
I think they eventually wound up going out of business, too. It is not over! You're over! Of course, there are lots of other red flags I could tell you about out there in interviewing land. One of them involves doing spec work, which is short for speculative. In other words, you're doing free labor for the prospective employer in hopes that they'll hire you. Now, this can take several forms. One is presenting you with a homework assignment right after the interview, so you're expected to take it home and answer the questions, which usually involves preparing some kind of a creative response, like writing an ad, a brochure, or even a whole campaign. <gasps> the company may insist on doing this, despite having already seen a portfolio jam-packed with samples from your many years of good work. Just because they don't trust that you can do the same for their products or services. What? But very often, I would suspect that it's only to get some free ideas that they can later assign to their regular staff rather than hiring you to finish it up and flesh them out. What is happening to the world? Another variation of this is giving you a skills test on the spot right after the interview to see how you'd handle the pressure of working there. Are you crazy? This is another red flag, folks, since you've already proven your skills over many years of similar experience. Not only that, if it's a pressure cooker environment, why would you even want to work there? Uh-huh. I can recall two examples of this dastardly practice in my own interviewing adventures. The first one was a newspaper chain which was hiring page layout designers, I needed to know that somebody could use their computer program to do the required assignments. <laughs> Actually, this later turned out to be a predatory, financially unstable employer that had already laid off countless employees and was now planning to uproot its whole business and move it cross-country to take advantage of cheaper labor in Texas. Yuck. So despite my passing the test, the job there didn't last very long, since there was no way that I was going to move to Texas, which they did not warn you about during the initial interview. That's right. And the other example of spec work was a radio station once that uh, wanted to see if I could write news stories under extreme deadlines and turn things around on a dime. Again, I actually passed the test and got a job offer out of it, but wound up declining it for a better opportunity elsewhere. That's great! My advice to you on these sorts of interview surprises is, if you happen to thrive on working under sweatshop conditions, then okay, go ahead and take their tests. But if you don't want to be severely stressed every day of your working life, then I'd strongly urge you to steer clear of such job opportunities. Amen! Our final interviewing story today isn't so much about shady practices by employers as it is a glimpse into the anxiety and stress that can sometimes go along with the job hunting process. The year was 1974. I was fresh out of college and I was applying for a job at a company that owned several TV stations in different areas of the country. Coming from my hometown of Linden up in northern New Jersey, I had to travel 280 miles south on the turnpike to get to Cherry Hill, which is near Philadelphia. That was quite a long trip, especially as a solo journey all by myself. So I put on my best suit, 
packed the car with a giant portfolio stuffed with examples of my work, and then headed out with a great deal of trepidation. By the time I got there, a couple hours later, the adrenaline was already pumping through my body. I had been thinking of what to say, how to handle the various interview challenges, and generally working myself up into a frenzy in preparation for this big interview with the CEO of the company. Am I? Am I? Am I out of my mind? Am I losing my senses? So I found the multi-story office building where the company was located, parked my car, and did a quick check in the rearview mirror, making sure that my hair was neatly combed and my tie was tied. You know the drill. And then I opened the car door, got the portfolio out of the back seat, and set it carefully onto the pavement next to my car. At this point, in my extreme nervousness and anxiety, my mind must have been racing a mile a minute trying to juggle numerous thoughts going into this interview. Like, how do I convince them that I'm the right person for the job? How does my experience equate to their job description? And what if the question of salary comes up? What dollar figure should I give them? And so on and so forth. Well, gang, I'm sure many of you have been in my shoes under similar circumstances. Uh Uh-huh. I put my car keys down in the front seat, took one last look at my reflection in the car window, and was planning to pick up my portfolio materials and then lock up the car. But fate intervened. There I was, standing outside my Rambler Ambassador, when the car door unexpectedly closed and had already pressed down the lock button before getting out. Uh-oh. So basically, I'd locked my keys inside the car with no spares for miles around. Well, good luck with all that. So, what could I do? Well, with this big, important interview hanging in the balance, I decided to go ahead as if nothing had happened gathered my stuff together, went into the building, took the elevator to the top floor, and went through the interview as best as I knew how. As it turned out, all that adrenaline must have done its job, because it was one of the most successful interviews I've ever had. And I did wind up getting a job offer as a result. What? But then, immediately upon leaving their offices, I found a payphone to call home. You see, these were the days before cell phones, folks, so that's the only way we had for communicating. And so then, my old man very graciously drove those same 280 miles down the Jersey Turnpike to Cherry Hill, where he met me in the parking lot with a set of spare keys. He wound up saving the day, and thankfully, he didn't try rubbing my nose in it. Wow. Simply chalking it up to the inexperience of youth. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.